Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Perky Avos podcast with Rashlam Kohn, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomokon with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Additionally, if you enjoy this podcast, you might also like my podcast on the Parsha of the Week. You can look for it by searching for the Practical Parsha Podcast or click on the link in the show notes. Check it out. Tell me what you think. For this week, we're continuing with Perak Aleph, Mishnah, Tess Zion. Chapter 1, Mishnah 16. In the last episode, we talked about the teachings of Shammai. And remember, we're talking about the pairs. We've, until this point in time, been listing each Mishnah in pairs. That one of the pairs is the Av Bezdin, and one is the Nasi. One is the leader of the court, and one is sort of like the president of the congregation, the two leaders of the Jewish community. And this point in time, we see a transition that the Mishnah is no longer said in pairs. Right now, the Mishnah is Rebbe Gamliel, and that's Rebbe Gamliel Hazakain, Rebbe Gamliel the Elder. Um, and he was actually a grandson of Hillel. And the, the first Nasi after the, the Zugos, the pairs, and he served without an Av Bezdin. And he lived during the, the time preceding the destruction of the Second Temple and instituted many enactments that we actually, which we which are still in uh, in ordinance even till this day. Now the Mishnah begins. Rabbi Gamliel Rabbi Gamliel used to say, rav, appoint a teacher for yourself. and Remove yourself from uncertainty. And do not give excess tithes by estimating instead of measuring. Three different points he's bringing out. The first thing it's important to note is that if you look at the mission of the wording, right, as I mentioned before, it's not, it's not being taught in pairs anymore. And if you look at the other Mishnayos till this point in time, you'll see in the wording, we say, we see that each pair they says, and um, at this point in time, which means they accepted the tradition from the last pair. It says, for example, in Mishnah Yud Beis, in 12, it says, they accepted the tradition back from the last pair. And here in our Mishnah, it doesn't say that. It just says, Rebbein Gamliel HaYa He would say. And the commentaries explain that the reason why it doesn't say Kiblu Mayhem was at this point in time, which is right before the second base on Migdash, the second temple was destroyed. The generations were getting weaker. And until this point in time, the tradition was extremely strong and solid, like we said, this oral tradition. And there was pretty much no machlokis. Uh, there was no dispute as to what, you know, what's the halacha? What do we do in this situation, that situation? 
But at this point in time, it seems like the tradition became a little bit more not as clear as it was before. And therefore, it's, it wouldn't be fully accurate to say that he received the full tradition from the last generation. This is going to lead us to a point in time where the oral tradition has to be transcribed and written into the Mishnah because it is at risk of being forgotten and at a later point in time has to be transcribed even more into the Talmud, the Gemara. Now, the three teachings that we have here are very interesting. The first one, Asei Lecha Rav. Now, if you remember from Mishnah, from Mishnah, and if you remember from Mishnah number six, Yeshua ben Prachia, Benita Arbeli Kiblu Mehem, Yeshua ben Prachia, Yomer, Asei Lecha Rav, Uknei Lecha Chaver, Vahavidon is called Lakaf Suchus. He says, Yeshua ben Prachia teaches us in Mishnah number Vav, Mishnah six, that a person should appoint for himself a teacher, acquire a friend for yourself, and judge everyone favorably. So it seems that maybe we're repeating what we said before. We say, over here, we're saying, So the, the commentaries point out that there's a difference. Earlier on, when we said, it was saying about in, in, in a method of learning, um, how to learn, how to, how to dissect, have to, how to understand you know, when it comes to Torah, having, having a teacher in Torah to guide you in the proper path. When it says, Asilah Harav over here in Mishnah Tezayin 16, right now that we're discussing, it's referring to halachic um, decisions. That when it comes to halacha, practical halachic matters, Jewish law, you have to have someone you could turn to to ask to, to know what to do. Obviously, we all have an obligation on ourselves to study Torah and to study, to learn halacha, to know how to conduct ourselves as a Jew, to live according to the Torah and to follow halacha. Um, but at the same time, there's many areas that, you know, on a daily basis that, that interplay with halacha. And it's very difficult to know the answers to any question that could come up. So therefore, it's important to have someone you're comfortable, who's a Talmud Chacham, a Torah scholar, who who, can, who is capable of asking these questions. Who, sorry, who is capable of answering these questions for you? And it should be someone who you, you could reach out to, you feel comfortable having a conversation with, and um, that they'll be able to answer for you. So, have a Rav that you could ask your halachic questions. It's not just about, you know, guidance in life and, and knowing what to, how to learn and uh, having a metho metho methodology, having a methodology of how to dissect the Gemara and how to understand things. But for practical halachic matters and direction, you need to have someone you could speak to in order to guide you to the proper halacha and the right direction and, and how to conduct yourself as a Jew. Now, additionally, this Mishnah is not just referring to, you know, people, laymen, it's referring to a rabbi himself. That, like I mentioned before, halacha, Jewish law, is very, it has a, there's tons of information. There's tons of different areas. There's the laws of daily living, which includes the halachos of Shabbos. Um, there is the, the law, Yoradeya, which is 
but halachos of family purity, the laws of meat and milk. You know, if something gets mixed together, and the laws of forbidden mixtures. Um, that's another area of halacha. There's a, another section in Shulchan Aruch called Choshen Mishba, which deals with monetary, um, you know, transactions and disputes. That's another area where there could be a, a, a rabbi who would, you know, not every rabbi is knowledgeable in that area of halacha. And there's also Evan HaEzer, which deals with contracts and specifically marriage contracts and agreements and so on and so forth. So even a rabbi who is knowledgeable to answer different questions needs to have someone to turn to that he himself can ask for direction and advice. Because if not, it leads us to suffolk. And that's the next idea on the Mishnah. Because the second idea that Rabbi Gamliel explains to us, the second idea that Rabbi Gamliel teaches us is histalik min hasafik. And according to some of the sages, the second part of the Mishnah is connected to the first part. That a person has to make for themselves a rav, have a rabbi that they can ask. Because if they do not have someone they could ask, they're going to be in a questionable situation. They're not going to, they're going to have suffake. Suffake, a suffake is question. It's the not knowing what to do. And we're going to explain soon why in a way of being in a question, in a questionable situation is even worse than being, doing something when you know it's wrong. Doing something which you're not sure is wrong could possibly be worse than doing something you know is wrong. Interesting. We'll get back to that in a moment. But the, the Mishnah, Rabbi Gamliel is teaching us something very important. Number one is appoint for yourself a Rav, have this rabbi, because if you do not have the rabbi, you do not have someone to ask a question to, you're going to live your life in Suffolk. You're going to live your life in question. You're not going to know how to um, handle yourself and, and, and what to do. You're just going to be guessing. And that really leads to the um, to the third idea of the Mishnah that really and that's how it connects to the third idea because the third thought in the Mishnah the altar and do not give excess ties by estimating instead of measuring that on a literal understanding the 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 Mishnah is telling us in regards to the halachos of Meiser, the halachos of tithes that you shouldn't estimate, and we're going to get into this shortly. You're not allowed to estimate how much to give. Tithe is giving 10%. The Torah gives us a specific obligation of what we need to give in certain situations. The Torah, I'm going to spell it out. But there's a, a obligation to give of your crop 10%. And on different years, another 10% to different causes. And there's different obligations. And the, the obligation is specifically to, to give exact not to give less and not to give more. So the connection here to this idea that we're expressing, that number one is a point for yourself, a Rav. Number two, which, which equals not having a question, because if you do not have a Rav, you're going to have questions. And, if, and number three is, is that because if you, if you live your life in this way, you're just going to be estimating. You're not going to be knowing 
what your obligation is, and it, and it ties together. And you won't live your life by just estimating, by, by looking at things and taking a guess and sort of walking blind. Now, I wanted to focus about on each one of these ideas specifically. We, we, we already discussed a little bit about Aselah Harav, that you need to appoint for yourself a rabbi. The second idea in the Mishnah is the Histalik Minasafik, and separate yourself from question, from a questionable situation. And I said something very interesting before, and you hope you are thinking it over, that doing something questionable could be worse than doing something wrong. One more time. Doing something questionably, questionable if it's right or wrong could be worse than doing something wrong. You know the reason. The reason is, is because when you do something wrong, you know it's wrong. There is guilt associated with it. So obviously we don't want you doing something wrong. Torah doesn't want you something wrong. But at the same time, if you are overcome with temptation and you fall, you know it's wrong. You can't get your way out of that. Contrast that with a situation where you're not sure something's wrong or right. It could be wrong. It could be right. It could be permitted. It could be permitted. It could be forbidden. So if you go ahead and use your own justifications and your own rationalization to just do it, are you going to have that guilt if you do it? Are you going to feel bad afterwards? The answer to that is probably not. Because there is a, 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 a rationalization and there is a valid side to say that maybe it's permitted, but you don't know. And if it's wrong, you're never going to know that you did something wrong. And you're never going to be able to sort of do teshuva on that point. There won't be that moment for you to turn yourself around and get yourself out of that situation because you either you think you're doing something right or you're just you're willing to take a 50-50 chance. You're playing Russian roulette. And um, sometimes guilt is a good thing. Hashem put it into the creation and it helps us rectify things that we've done incorrectly, things that we, we need to improve on. You know, to put it into perspective a little bit, you know, when uh, someone steals something, you know, it does a burglary. They, help, they hold someone up by gunpoint. They, they know they did something wrong. But if somebody, you know, let, let's say there's a, there's a riot. People are smashing stores and, and, and looting. You think the guy who takes the, the stuff from the store thinks he's doing something wrong? It's not as clear as the other situation because everyone's doing it. It's uh, There's mayhem anyways. People get swept up in it. Now, obviously, we know it's wrong. My point is I'm just trying to bring out the point that when there's suffix, when there's question, things aren't so clear cut. And we're able to, you know, we, we, we tend to ignore that feeling of guilt or push it away and not even have it to begin with, which can hold us back in the long run. The third idea, which Rogamil is teaching us in the Mishnah, 
and do not give excess tithes by estimating instead of measuring. The, the Mishnah is telling us something very interesting. So we, we know there's obligation to give tithes. The Torah gives us a commandment that comes specifically for our grain that and our fruit as well. That every year, one-tenth is for the Levite. And in the first, second, fourth, and fifth years of the Shemitah cycle, which is a seven-year cycle, another tenth is taken and eaten in Jerusalem. In the third and sixth years, that second tenth is given to the poor. Now, it's interesting to note that a person only fulfills their obligation if they get exactly if they get a tenth. Meaning, if they separate less than a tenth, they didn't. The food that the the that the ties were taken off of are, is not allowed to be eaten. Still, they didn't fulfill their obligation. Food, these grain and the fruit only becomes permitted to be eaten once tithes are taken. And if you do less than the 10% and or the that you're supposed to do, you can't eat it. Now, what happens if you do more than 10%? If you give extra, you overestimate, probably a good guy, right? No. The answer is, is that the even though the food for you becomes permitted, the amount that you separated for the leave for the Levite or for the poor person or to bring to Jerusalem cannot be eaten by, you know, that, that 10% cannot be eaten by the Levite um, because it has to be the Torah gives an obligation on 10% only. It's very interesting. There are other obligations in the Torah where you're allowed to estimate, but when it comes to Miser, it needs to be exact. Actually talk, you know, coming to nowadays obligations, you know, there is a, a um, people tithe, you know, the Torah's obligation, what it says in the verses is 10% of produce, 10% of grain. But it, it is brought down halacha and Jewish law. Does that, does this obligation, the Torah to give 10% apply to our income? There's a question in the contemporary post game and the contemporary authorities as to what is the obligation nowadays. Is it a biblical commandment? Is it a rabbinic commandment or is it a custom? You know, according to the consensus, I believe it's a custom, but a very strong custom. And obviously, there's a lot of blessing that people get by giving 10%. It's something which we're allowed to test God. Um, nothing else, you're allowed to test Hashem. You're not allowed to test Hashem. But when it comes to tithing, you're allowed to test Hashem. Now, obviously, there are different leniencies, not giving miser, but that's something which everyone should speak to their own rabbi about. You know, whether they should give or they shouldn't give. Um, but I just wanted to bring down that background. Now, it's very interesting. We see that there's a specific obligation on 10%. And we know in the Torah, there is a commandment that a person should not, you know, decrease. And also you shouldn't increase. There's a, there's a verse in the Torah that tells us that when it comes to the Torah, the laws in the Torah, you're not allowed to add on to it and you're not allowed to take away. Now, obviously, we do know that the rabbis have the power um, to, and we see the, the rabbis referring to the men of the Great Assembly and, and the earlier sages and contemporary authorities have the power to, to create a safeguard for the Torah. That, you know, for example, in Shabbos, we have different, different prohibitions which are of rabbinic nature which were enacted to prevent us from transgressing a Torah prohibition. And similarly, we sometimes um, take upon ourselves 
stringencies in halacha um, to to get to get more opinions into the things we do. You know, for example, there are some people that have the custom to like Hanukkah menorah at, at a time that's in between two different times, two different opinions, because they want to try to get both opinions. You know, one opinion says sunset, one one opinion says nightfall. So the light's sometime in the middle, and and um, they'll try to get both opinions. But either way, we see there's a concept of not taking away and not adding on. And um, this is very important because obviously, you know, some people think of stringencies, but sometimes when we think of stringencies, it, it's, a stringency could also lead to a leniency. For example, you know, there's a famous story where Yisrael Salanter was one of the, you know, the contemporary masters of the Musr movement. Somebody saw him washing for bread. You know, there's a mitzvah of Netil HaSedayim to wash your hands before you eat bread. And in Europe, they didn't have running water like we do today. We're blessed. We use plenty of water when we wash our hands. Someone had to schlep the water, had to carry the water from the well. And they would have a bucket that would be refilled. So this person saw Rabbi Yisrael Salanter was washing his hands with a very small amount, the minimal amount of water. And they're thinking, why are you doing this, Rabbi Yisrael? Why are you, you know, you're such a pious individual. Why are you using the minimum amount required? He said, I feel bad for the guy who has to schlep the water. Because if I use a plenty of water, he's going to have to schlep more water. The shamish of the shul, if I'm in the shul now and there's water in the shul, the shamish who gets paid peanuts is going to have to bring more water and, and, and that's not nice. So therefore, I'll, I'll use the minimum on, on my and it won't come out on someone else's, uh, someone else's loss. And the, the, the idea here is that when it comes to stringencies, we have to be careful that we don't take a stringency upon ourselves that comes out as a leniency. You know, obviously there's things in halacha, which is halacha, it's not a stringency, it's obligation. But sometimes there are things which are, which are a little bit more, and which the rabbis had power to enact. And um, we have to know, we have to have guidance of when to do things, when to not do things. For example, if someone's going to take upon themselves a stringency, which is going to affect their family, which affect their shalom bias, their, their, their peace in the home, could be it's not, it's not something we should look into. It's not something they should do. It's something we should think about. Now, another important concept here to finish off with, the Yaivetz tells us a very beautiful idea that this Mishnah brings out, this last point in the Mishnah specifically, is that the, the Mishnah is telling us that don't estimate by giving tithes, there's a civic obligation to give exactly 10%. And the reason, one of the, I shouldn't say the reason, but it teaches us something very important. Because it's important for a Jew to, to basically push our character and mold our character to the obligations of the Torah. As, as opposed to doing a mitzvah at our own convenience and our own desire. Even if that comes at a, uh, even if it comes at a loss to charity. Right? So a person might think to himself, ah, oh, you know. What's the big deal? I'll give what I want. To, I'll give. I'll give. I'll give more than ten percent. I'll be very generous with charity. No, that's not. That's not what we're supposed to do. We have to bend ourselves to what the Torah obligates of ourselves, even if it's going to come to a loss of charity, or maybe quote unquote we think it's going to be a loss of observance. We'll say to ourselves, "We'll do more. I'll do more than what the Torah says." No, the Torah says, "Don't do that. Do what the Torah says." Fulfill the obligations. Because if today 
we decide we want to give an estimation of charity, we'll, we'll be generous. If we don't push ourselves to follow the, the, the dictates of the Torah, we don't train ourselves in that area. So what's going to be on the day that we don't have that much money? We'll say, okay, I'll, I gave a lot last time. I'm going to give a little less this time. It evens out, right? Don't we all think like that sometimes? So the Mishnah is telling us, no, you can't do that. You have to give exactly 10% because we have to train ourselves to follow the laws of the Torah, not follow our emotions, not follow our whims. And um, there's a story they say that one of the great yeshivas in Europe was the Kelmer Yeshiva. And there was a canteen they used to have there to sell things and it, and it ran without, it was on the honor system. After a certain point in time, it was discovered that the there was extra money in this bin that people were paying in. And they figured out that people must have, instead of, you know, maybe there wasn't change. So people would be giving extra and just leaving it there. If there wasn't change and they they leave it there. And as soon as that was happening, the Rosh Hashiva of the Kalmar Yeshiva shut down the canteen. What was his reasoning? He said as follows, that maybe today people are giving extra, but what about the next time when you come and you don't have enough money to pay, you're going to say to yourself, I gave extra last time, so now I'll give less this time. And that's, that's, that's not honesty. That's not following what the Torah tells us. And he shut the canteen down. because, And the, and the similar idea when it comes to our obligations. That we, we have the Torah specifically, the Torah sets out for us very clearly what we need to do. There are situations where we need to do, we have stringencies, which the, the rabbis enacted for protection. But at the same time, we can't use our emotions, our desires to tell us what we should do, what, you know, how we should observe the Torah. Rather, we have to follow what it says. Do not add and do not subtract. That's going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at Ravish Lomacom with a K at gmail.com. Everyone, have a great day.